is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. I do want to play some of Raskin's uh, ending piece there. I thought it was so moving. And, and, and you did too, Nina. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the setup to it? He was basically um, at, he took his two adult children with him to the, to, uh, to the Capitol that day. He was breaking, his voice was breaking when he was describing what happened. It was very moving. Um, mm. You know, he's, he relived for people uh, the sense of terror of being indoors inside that inside that chamber and hearing the pounding on the door he describes it very um very vividly that you know that sound he would never forget the sound of the pounding and then his children are in the office waiting for him and they're hiding under the table yeah. texting him um yeah. and i think you know this it's also very poignant because his son one of his his children recently uh, died, committed suicide, I guess, had been fighting depression. And it's just, it's just so sad. And, uh, and then he, he breaks up when he's talking about the daughter saying, I'm, I don't ever want to come back to the Capitol. 24 year old woman, you know, who should be proud of her father and his position. They went back to that office, Denny's office, off of the house floor. They didn't know that the house had been breached yet. And that an insurrection, a riot, or a coup had come to Congress. And by the time we learned about it, about what was going on, it was too late. I couldn't get out there to be with them in that office. And all around me, people were calling their wives and their husbands, their loved ones to say goodbye. Members of Congress in the House anyway were removing their congressional pins so they wouldn't be identified by the mob as they tried to escape the violence. Our new chaplain got up and said a prayer for us and we were told to put our gas masks on. And then there was a sound I will never forget, the sound of pounding on the door like a battering ram, the most haunting sound I ever heard and I will never forget it. My chief of staff, Julie Tagan, was with Tabitha and Hank locked and barricaded in that office. The kids hiding under the desk, placing what they thought were their final texts and whispered phone calls to say their goodbyes. They thought they were going to die. My son-in-law had never even been to the Capitol before. And when they were finally rescued over an hour later by Capitol officers, and we were together, I hugged them, and I apologized, and I told my daughter Tabitha, who's 24, and a brilliant algebra teacher in Teach for America, now, I told her how sorry I was, and I promised her that it would not be like this again the next time she came back to the Capitol with me. And you know what she said? She said, Dad, I don't want to come back to the Capitol. <laughs> of all 
the terrible, brutal things I saw and I heard on that day. And since then, that one hit me the hardest. That and watching someone use an American flagpole with the flag still on it to spear and pummel one of our police officers ruthlessly, mercilessly, tortured by a pole with a flag on it that he was defending. It's really an incredible moment there from uh, Representative Raskin. And uh, uh, I want to welcome Lisa Kerr. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. I haven't had a chance to talk to you, you before. Are. Okay, not who I am. Does everybody know I'm bad at this? Because, you know, I kind of am. But thank you for inviting me. Um, I've been fooling with my camera for like 30 minutes here. but um, You're doing a good job. It's just a little bit, uh, a lot of headroom you've got there above your head. But don't worry about it. Uh, We can fix that as we go along. Um, So did I say your name correctly, though? I didn't know if I said it correctly. You did. Okay, okay, good. And uh, you're an attorney and a social worker. You've uh, written some great stuff for our friend, George, uh, sorry, Greg Oliar's Prevail, who's done terrific work with you. Um, we really wanted to get your sense of what you thought of as an attorney, as someone who specializes in constitutional law, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what, are you th- what were your thoughts today about how things started off for the Democrats uh, as they were presenting their, uh, their first presentation there? Well, I was really glad you closed out that last segment, segment with Raskin, because I thought, I thought that he put what I hope is going to be a, a bookend around the whole proceeding with his argument that all impeachments means all. He went, he went straight to that word all in, in the clause and he diffused the whole constitutional argument right there. Now there was a lot of more um, nuanced diffusion of that argument, but he, he really effectively rhetorically diffused it by saying all means all. It, the Constitution gave the Senate power to try all impeachments. I also like the way he used that term, the January exception. It, mm. It's kind of a belittling way to put the, um, the defense argument in a box and say, look, there's not a January exception in the Constitution. Their whole argument amounts to a January exception. Um, for people who are no longer in office. And I thought they encapsulated that threat really well. So um, I did make a few notes here because I I just slid out of work in time to um, watch the stuff. I didn't, I was really busy all day. Um, But it was really interesting, the the January exception. That was, is that his phrase? Is that something he came up with? I'm sure that the whole team came up with it. But also I think it's a phrase that, it's one of those phrases that I think works really well in a trial because as soon as you hear it, you think, oh, I must have thought of that because it makes makes just a gut level sense. You feel like you could have thought of it too. And, And it's the kind of phrase that rings with you, just like all means all, it's the kind of phrase that rings with you when you say, of course there's no January exception. Now, I did watch um, all of the, all of the, the Democratic speakers. I honestly did not watch the defense speakers because as soon as I went through the few clips that I saw, the few short clips that I saw, I realized that the defense speakers were not intending to make an argument at all. What they were trying to do is create an emotional distance, kind of, um, kind of create space to take people away from what the democratic speakers had said. And I think yeah. that, that especially the first speaker did that. The oh, first what? speaker was definitely designed to to sort he of blunt some of what Raskin had been talking about. Yeah. He was there to take a crap on the rug, openly make a fool of himself so that every single other defense speaker after him would be compared to him. Everybody would li- be listening to them and say, well, at least he's not as bad as the first one. He must be kind of okay. 
And just to create an emotional distance, because I think that the video, the video coupled with Raskin's closing moments that you replayed there, the video plus that created an emotional sense of how Democrats will be able to approach this in future Senate campaigns. And that's, that's where I think you convince senators. You don't convince them with anything about Trump mm -hmm. because whatever their views are on Trump, either they love him and they're Q with him and they're gonna stay Q and on forever. That's one group. The second group would be, um, we believe that we can win our, our states no matter what over any Democrat, so we don't care about the electoral results. But there's a third group, and that's the group that those 14 votes are gonna come from if they come. We've got six of them already. And where they're gonna come is senators who say, look, have I seen something today, a presentation today, that when it plays in my future Senate campaign, I'm gonna lose that campaign. I'm gonna lose my seat when people tie me to this guy who's being prosecuted. It's and, really interesting. It's really interesting that you bring that up because it was it Kennedy today who, who who shifted his vote. He's the first person to shift his no, vote. No, that uh, wasn't who, and I don't remember who. And um, I apologize. Cassidy, Cassidy, your Cassidy, coach. Cassidy, right. Cassidy, I think. He just, Cassidy, he just got reelected. Louisiana. Yeah, he just got reelected. So for yeah. him, it's fine. He, he can. He's safe. He, he's safe yeah. for another six years. And what you're saying is play into that for everyone during the next election, or everyone who might be in, uh, running into the next election. These are campaign videos and campaign mm -hmm. arguments. They are, mm -hmm. they are, yes, they are legal arguments, but they're, they're essentially campaign arguments for how much do you want to be tied to this guy? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what they did pretty effectively today. And you know, they caught one vote today. It's one mm -hmm. fish, but they've got a whole nother day to catch more fish, maybe two days. I don't know how long right. that, I think they have 14 hours that they're going to run and I don't think they can do that all in one day. So probably two more days. Mm -hmm. So what I think they should do based on, and what I predict that they probably are planning to do based on what's happened these previous days is that they should set the stage as though they were trying Trump for the crime, 18 USC 2383, rebellion or insurrection. They should set the stage as though they were actually trying him. Yes, I know that's a higher burden of proof. They don't have to meet it for impeachment, but these guys are not voting on burden of proof. Any future votes that we flip mm -hmm. are not gonna be voted on burden of proof. They're gonna be voted on what's gonna happen to me in my next election. And so if you say to them, we have enough evidence here and we will show not just you, but the American people enough evidence to show you that Trump is going to jail for what he did. He is very likely going to be the convicted for the crime of inciting insurrection. He does not have a First Amendment defense. The Brandenburg case clearly does not does not exclude it. He's he's what he did was a textbook example of what Brandenburg says is actually okay, is actually prosecutable despite the First Amendment. So in court, they should play court. They should actually play as though they were trying him for insurrection and say, look, you are going to be tied to a convicted felon for the rest of your electoral career right. if you don't take your vote. That is so interesting. Uh, you haven't met Nina or Don, but there they are next to you on the screen. Uh, oh, I don't know if either of you I enjoyed it. Well, and well I know you from from Twitter. <laughs> there you go. Well, oh, sorry, I, um, I, I I'm so office. glad to hear. I'm so glad to hear uh, someone come on and say that it is possible that the Senate could get that they could drag away uh, another. Uh, what would they need eight more senators? I guess Republicans. Right. Um, I think that. Um, 
that that's a really good argument. And, and you know, I, I mean, from where I sit, I'm in upstate New York. I'm not Washington. I'm not on the inside of this anymore. Um, I can't, I, I don't see how any of these people in two years do not feel like Trump is toxic. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I know you think that he's down there fulminating and, and planning another insurrection, martial law and so on, but I think the vast majority of Americans have had to have breathed a sigh of relief that this is over with. And I'm talking about the centrist Republicans. I'm talking about, you know, his mad mob. They are not the majority at all. And in these districts, you know, where he's been able to whip them up and, 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 uh, and you know, primary people, uh, I think that he's lost that ability. But, but then again, I don't, I mean, he's not on Twitter. To me, he's, he's evaporated because I don't, I'm not on parlor and I don't, I see, I get his, I get his office of 45 updates in my email queue because I'm a journalist and they're blasting them out. But other than that, I don't know what he's doing, or I don't think that he's um, even going to be um, a factor in two years because he's going to go broke. He's got the C team or the D team out there. Um, he is, you know, and they're doddering. I mean, we know. Look who, look who his supporters are. I mean, his, his enablers. Who, who's going to enable him? The, I don't th- the whole thing just the whole thing just collapsed into farce and crime and insurrection and blood and dead people in the Capitol. How can they they possibly attach themselves to that two years from now when he's been gone? On a state level, people are still doing it. On a state level, there are people supporting him. The Arizona, you know, uh, state uh, Republican parties censuring the, you know, Cheney, who's the last person you'd be censuring. Uh, There's just a lot of uh, on the ground still appeal to what Trump is saying. And if it's not Trump per se, the the state parties themselves are still still very powerful. Well, but the state uh, systems, the power, parties at the state level are still very much in favor of him and uh, or whatever he's, they think he stands for. Um, and so I think that's still going to grow. I still think we're still, still going to see uh, that groundswell continuing to to be you know, 30 to 40 percent of the of the, of the I don't electorate. think it, I, I disagree. I'll bet you that it doesn't grow. I will no, bet you that grow. It's, it'll be, it it'll is be, not going to grow. They may yeah. stay. They may stand. They may, st- and you know, my gut would say that by this, by the midterms, people who are attaching themselves to him, there's going to have been so much. There will have been so much, as Lisa says. There's going to be crim- there are going to be criminal charges somewhere. This guy is going to have. He's fighting for his life. He's going to be, you know, bankrupted. There is no way that his political capital is worth what it was six months ago or even two months ago. I, I just don't see it. I agree with you that he won't grow, but I think that there is a, a base there that's still going to exist. And, and it's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's going away. Uh, Don, do you want to jump in here? I, um, any thoughts on what you've been hearing? Oh, no, I still can't hear you for some I reason. I think Don can't come back in for some reason. Oh, let me try this. Hey, hey, yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. I'm, I'm going to have to check. I'm going to have to check out. Oh, so you are. Don okay, can so take my place in terms of the yeah. <laughs> bandwidth. You're going to give it back. Yes. All right. Give me the bandwidth back. All right. Well, thanks so nice much. Uh, oh, yeah. It's got. It's eight o'clock. Who knew? It was so late. Um, yes. Thanks, Nina. I really appreciate you spending the hour with us. You're terrific. You're and we'll see you soon. Yeah.
Nice <laughs> to meet you again, Nina. Not good to see you, but done. Bye-bye. Okay, there you go. There you go. So, sorry about that. I didn't even realize. Yeah, my, that. My, my quick response to that is: I, I think that your fear, your, your your concern is, you know, Trump with the violence, and I think there is still the chance for that going forward. You know, even yeah. there's uh, news reports out that you know there's uh, you know the next big date for the Q people is March fourth, and yeah. and Trump has a hotel in D.C. and the rates are like way inflated for that night because everybody's coming down to see Trump become president, you know, or whatever's in the plan. And I think there is that, that, that potential for violence, but I definitely agree with Lisa, you know, and Nina that, you know, the further you get away from the presidency, the more his followers and power other than that violence factor and the crazy factor will, will dissipate. Right. Because, you know, maybe there'll be criminal prosecutions I mean, he's already losing a lot, right. He's losing commercial stuff. They're looking to him in Scotland, um, you know, even when you just look at, you know, the parlor takes, which is a great Twitter handle, there's cute people who are not coming out and saying, like, what happened? Everybody was full of shit. Nothing of this came. The plan didn't. So you see you see kind of that stuff happening. And that's been falling away. And it doesn't help him not to have the platform of Twitter anymore. Right. Because it's a lot of kind of mind control and message control. And without having that messaging, you know, that definitely, um, you know, takes away from what he's able to do as well. I mean, you, you know, just to give you one, I know you want to spin into Fight Back. Um, I'll give you one interesting point. At one point, you know, the Fight Back Foundation was started to combat, you know, causes against the radical left media or something of the like. It spun into part of its cause was to raise money for Kyle Rittenhouse's defense. The board members were you know, my ex-law school classmate and law firm partner, John Pierce, and the, the bigger known name was Lynn Wood. And Lynn Wood, from what I understand, um, you know, his Twitter following, I'm throwing out rough numbers because I kind of looked at it, was roughly around 50,000, I believe, before he started doing the fight back at the Rittenhouse thing. He got on the fight back at Rittenhouse thing, started really hammering, you know, the, 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 the Q message and whatnot. And his, 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 his followers shot up, uh, you know, exponentially. I think, I think they were up to, you know, one point they were up to 500,000. Another point they were up to 1 million. I don't really know when the points in time were, but, um, you know, I would submit, you know, based on things I've seen and what the Atlanta, uh, you know, bars asked him through that he's he's not all there. But, you know, if he is having, you know, manic episodes, if that's happening, you know, all of that flow coming from a million followers is feeding that beast and it's helping him get out a message and, you know, kind of control people, which then being shut down, I think it does uh, it does do, does help at some point to to slow the flow of that kind of yeah. that activity. I, I, I agree with you. I think the fact that they're not on Twitter is important. We're not we're not seeing what they're saying. I do think they're still communicating. I still think they're out there on parlor and yeah. and you know forums or whatever. And I still think there's a movement uh, that we need to take seriously. And and the most the more we let you know Trump get away with things, the more uh, that movement's going to seem like it's uh, can continue to do things with impunity. Lisa, you, one the thing that you mentioned there about using it as a campaign tool, if this was if we were the Republican Party, I would be uh, right now running campaigns against every senator that might be on the bubble. You know, if there's you know 20 senators that might be on the bubble that we could swing over, um, you know, we would be running local campaigns against them uh, because that's how the Republicans operate. Very tough campaign saying, you know, you're tied to a murderer or, or an insurrectionist or what have you. Uh, that seems like an interesting strategy built on what you were saying there that could be kind of useful if it can be done in, in a short amount of time. You mean running campaigns against the ones that are on the bubble? 
yeah, running a damn senator yeah. from the Republican. Well, that's what the Republicans do, right? If they don't like what they, what, what, what senator is going to vote, they put them under pressure locally right. by running campaigns that say, you know, you're going to be tied to this guy um, come November or to your vote come November. And, and so, uh, you know, they still. So both sides are going to be saying you're going to be tied to your vote is what yeah. you're saying. It's yeah. just both sides are going to have a very different presentation of what being tied to that vote means. Yes, exactly. And I, I think the Dem side kind of prevails there, but it's going to depend, I think, on how much we tie Trump to crime, to violence, to ending the nation as we know it, to ending democracy. And I think that's what they're going to do tomorrow. I think that they're going to really focus on insurrection. What's an insurrection? What does it mean to be an, a supporter of insurrection against America? And tie him very much to that. And I think that if we take those two campaigns, the one that the Republicans are going to run in the primary to try to hold the guy up and the ones that the Democrats threaten to run in the general in those races to, to bring the guy down, I think that if the case is made against Trump that criminal prosecutions are coming and there's a very good likelihood that criminal prosecutions will be commenced by the time those campaigns are happening. That's a big risk. If you're going to be running and you're tied to a guy who is actually being criminally prosecuted, I think the Dems have the better end of that. I agree with you. Um, that's a really interesting argument. I hadn't thought about that at all. So thanks so much, Lisa, for bringing uh, that to the show tonight. I'd love to have you both back on in the near future. We'll have plenty of opportunity, I think, with uh, just this trial, but also as we continue to see uh, uh, what uh, what cases are being brought against Trump and his, his cronies. Um, any last thoughts from you, Don, that you want to share? Well, last thoughts, if I can go off topic for, for a yeah. quick second. The first time I was on your show, uh, the, the only other time, the first time was with Nina and Lincoln's Bible, and we talked about the um, the the raising, I think you called it the raising of Kyle Rittenhouse and, and the forces around him. And I, and I think, you know, Nina has left, but I don't think I know, you know, when we went through it, Nina said that she didn't think either one of the lawyers who started out, Linwood or John Pierce, would be around for the trial. Um, and it, as it turns out, Linwood has been going for quite some time as he turned to election fraud. And according to reports, um, John Pierce was fired on Monday from having any affiliation with the case. So Nina made a, a, a pretty good call uh -huh. there. And I just wanted to, wanted to give her her props. Um, but sure generally, the overall thoughts. Yeah, I wanted to give her like a she, she's, I went over Pierce to you know, work with him, and, and then I, I recall Nina saying, from what I heard from Don's report, I don't think those guys will be around to see the trial, and she hit the uh, nail on the head. Um, you know, I think it was a great conversation here. Thanks for having me on. I, I think, you know, all this comes down to, look, you can talk about legality, talk about presenting the case, talk about what the Constitution says. I mean, the Republicans have shown they don't care about precedent. They don't care about law. They don't care about decency, right? They, Merrick Garland couldn't get in because the president's term was coming up. They want to get Barrett in, the rules change, and they come up with some little nuance. Like, rules don't matter. It's a kangaroo court. I really think that, you know, Lisa makes a good point of, you know, really hammering home the insurrection point. And, and, and I thought that Raskin and the others did a great job today, you know, bringing in a human element of it, decency, because you just got to hope. The goose was wonderful. Yeah, McGoose was one. It was really good. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you, 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 you I mean, they were, they were all great. And you just, you just have to hope that 
like I spoke about earlier, this is not bribing a foreign official. It's not money under the table. It's not doing, it's like you put people's lives at risk who are your fellow Congress people, you know, Capitol Police and whatnot. Like it's really, it's, it's on the lines of murder and attempted murder. And you would hope mm -hmm. folks can step up and show a shred of decency and step outside of what they think is best for their political career. And then even as Lisa said, there's different things coming up. Maybe it's not going to be best for their political career, career if Trump gets criminally prosecuted. So put that into your analysis and say, you know, there's way this, this and that. Human decency should be able to play a huge, huge part of it. And you should do the right thing. Because if not, I mean, there's no, there's really no democracy or order when you're basically sending a lynch mob after men members of Congress. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, and I'll stop, but I could get worried, was if this wasn't planned, right? You know, it's clear it was planned from your great videos, Zeb, other great videos. How did they show up with a gallows, right? <laughs> like, did somebody just go home and pick up like gallows that hang like pens? Like, it's, 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 it's absurd. It, it yeah, was planned. Like and Monkey said, no dehydrated gallows you can put in your pocket and pour in a glass of water. <laughs> 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 right, 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 right. There's right, a market right. for that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, apparently in the Republican Party. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, Don, let's leave it at that. I'm going to play that video next. Actually, I'm going to, to close out the show tonight, I'm going to play the video that I produced about, uh, you know, the various connections that Donald Trump has to the organizers and the operators that built out uh, the Stop the Steal event, which led to the insurrection uh, and you'll recognize all the faces because they're his closest advisors and some of them are members of the GOP um, and after that I'm going to play the first 13 minutes of the Democratic presentation today which was brilliant video um, explaining exactly what happened on, on January the 6th. Uh, it's a must watch thing if you haven't seen it you'll get an opportunity to play to see it right after uh, I play this two minute short video about Trump's connections. So uh, that's the way we're closing the show tonight. Um, Lisa will hopefully get you back on and you'll have a longer time with you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. And thanks, Don. And thanks to all our guests. And thanks for being on Narrative Life tonight. Here's that video. I don't want to overplay the, the facts here, but if someone will study the president's uh, authority in the Insurrection Act and in the, his ability to imply, impose the martial law. President Trump won this election, so everyone who's listening, do not be quiet. Do not be, do not be silent about this. We cannot allow this to happen before our very eyes. Philadelphia elections are crooked as a snake. That every time they close the doors and, and shut out the they always find more Democratic votes. Trump announced Wednesday he's also pardoning his former national security advisor, Michael Flynn. People out there talking about martial law, it's like it's something that we've never done. We've done, the martial law has been instituted 64, 64 times. And we're working co uh, closely with Congressman Mo Brooks, closely with Congressman Andy Biggs, Congressman, obviously, Paul Gosar, my great friend. We have to go all the way, and that's what's happening. And you watch what happens over the next couple of weeks. You watch what's going to come out. Watch what's going to be revealed. In the next couple of days, I think we're going to see some extraordinary historical moments. The, uh, the truth is going to come out. Donald Trump will continue to be the president of the United States. As I told them 20 years ago, I tell them again, I don't know how this is going to end, but if they want to fight, they better believe they follow. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. So hopefully we have this today, right? We shall see. We shall see. Holy Mary, Mother of God.
God, three thrusts in. Zara Barbaros, an actual fighter. One of them, Kimberly. Yes, have the courage to do the right thing. Stop the steal. Today I will lay out just some of the evidence proving that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. This was not a close election. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. Constitution says you have to protect our country and you have to protect our Constitution and you can't vote on fraud and fraud breaks up everything doesn't it when you catch somebody in a fraud you're allowed to go by very different rules so I hope Mike has the courage to do what he has to do we fight we fight like hell and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. So we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue. And we're going to the Capitol. And we're going to try and give our Republicans, the weak ones, because the strong ones don't need any of our help, we're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. Get the fuck out of here, you 
Majority Leader. We're debating a step that has never been taken in American history. President Trump claims the election was stolen. The assertions range from specific local allegations to constitutional arguments to sweeping conspiracy theories. But my colleagues, nothing before us proves illegality anywhere near the massive scale, the massive scale that would have tipped the entire election. My challenge today is not about the good people of Arizona. And it will stand in recess until the call of the chair. We'll pause. Protesters are in the building. Thank you. Madam, uh, uh, Mr. Speaker, can I have order in the chamber? The House will be in order. The House will be in order. Okay.
million of us out there, and we are listening to Trump. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel, but go home and go home in peace.
motherfuckers! Hang them! like you support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative